Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. This show is sponsored by Dixon's Chemist, who are the experts in LDN and associated treatments in the UK. Dixon's Chemist are the most cost-effective for LDN in all forms within the UK and Europe, maintaining safety standards far in excess of what is required. Why would you choose to get your LDN from anywhere else? Call 0141 404 6545 today to speak to their LDN experts. I'd like to welcome my guest today, pharmacist Sherry Garvin, who is the president and CEO of the Compounding Centre located in Leesburg, Virginia. Their employee-owned PCAB-accredited pharmacy, offering sterile and non-sterile compounding medications and a full selection of medical equipment. Her goal is to make a difference for her customers and her community. Thank you for joining us today, Sherry. Linda, thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, this is exciting to be able to, to share some information about our store and uh, what we do here. Um, I guess the first thing I would start with is just explain what is compounding, because I'm sure uh, you know, some of the listeners are thinking, what's a compounding center? What does that mean? Well, we call ourselves a specialty pharmacy. We basically make medications from scratch for patients that have some unique need, could be you know, a child needing a liquid medication and we have to make it for them, or uh, we have a lot of patients who are gluten intolerant or they need dye-free medications, things like that we'll make for them. And of course, low-dose naltrexone fits in there. We have lots of patients on low-dose naltrexone. It is a compounded medication, so we will make it from scratch for patients in all different strengths and liquid or topical, whatever form that they need. Um, And I'll, you know, I'll stop there and see what next question is. (laughs) Okay. Now, people are always asking, you know, which pharmacy will compound LDN with this filler or that filler, and I'm allergic to this and that. But the whole idea of a compounding pharmacy is that you can discuss the fillers with the pharmacy and you can say, you know, I'm lactose intolerant and my doctor has suggested I try whatever. Um, My mind has gone a blank. I was trying to think of one patient who had said her um, doctor had suggested like a a probiotic as a filler. I mean, if a patient came to you with that request, would you be able to um, provide it the right uh, filler? Yes, and that is huge. We have lots of patients with all kinds of allergies, and oftentimes they don't even realize that some of those ingredients are in commercially manufactured pills and tablets until they have a reaction, and that might be what leads them to um, you know, develop a relationship with a compounding pharmacy to be able to have whatever medication they need made with 
a, a filler that's not going to cause them issues. And we do get requests of, you know, of all kinds, can you use this filler and that filler? I will say that um, in the U.S. we are regulated by our state boards of pharmacy and the FDA in terms of the ingredients that we can use. So oftentimes we do have to work with the patient to find something that um, is appropriate for use in a compounding pharmacy, but also tolerated by the customer as well. So that is a lot of what we do is just having those conversations with the patient and then with the physician, trying to make sure that we can get them exactly what they need, but you know, nothing that's going to cause harm. Mm -hmm. So that is, yes, a big part of what we do. And what forms do you compound LDN into? Sure. So we have oral capsules, oral tablets, and then we also make a sublingual drop um, in very low doses. And then sometimes we're asked to do topical formulations if patients have different dermatological conditions and the doctor wants them to use a topical cream, we can do that as well. Mm -hmm. And because you are a sterile as well as a non-sterile compounding pharmacy, have you yet been asked to do eye drops, LDN eye drops? We have not. That's very interesting. We have not come across that. We do other eye drops, um, but we have not been asked to do LDN eye drops. That seems to be the, the latest buzz, if you like, especially for dry eye and, you know, Sjogren's syndrome, that kind of thing. Um, so maybe, you know, when you speak to doctors in your area, you could suggest that, you know, LDN does work uh, for eye drops. When I first started um, the LDN Research Trestle 16 years ago, I was quite surprised by the word sterile and non-sterile. And I was thinking, why would you want a non-sterile pharmacy? You know, <laughs> surely, you know, you'd want everything to be sterile. So it, it was explained to me, but if listeners are wondering the difference between a sterile and a non-sterile, perhaps you can explain what it actually means. It, it, it doesn't sure, mean it, you yeah. are clean and unclean <laughs> at all. So, uh, yeah. You're absolutely right. That is one of the industry terms that when you start talking to just the public, it sounds so funny. All of a sudden, it does sound like non-sterile means not clean, mm -hmm. which obviously is not true. Um, the designation really just has to do with how the drug is going to be used. So if a drug is going to be injected or used as an eye drop or perhaps even a bladder installation, it must be completely sterile, meaning no uh, bacteria can be present no uh, fungus can be present, no endotoxin. So we literally have to make sure it's completely sterile, whereas something that you're you know, taking by mouth or using a suppository perhaps, it doesn't mean that it's not clean. It just means that it has not been sterilized mm -hmm. before use. So that's the difference between the two. But you're absolutely right. It's such an odd way to describe medication. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, whilst I was reading it out, it's completely normal now with all the doctors and compounding pharmacies that I speak to to say sterile and non-sterile. But if that's a term that you haven't heard before, it, it just needed explaining. Right. Now, there are some patients who have their LDN 
compounded with things like emu oil. I mean, is that something uh, you have come across? We haven't used emu oil with LDN. We have with other topical uh, pain preparations in the past. Most patients don't care for it just because it does have a little bit of an odor and it's greasy. Uh, so we usually look for creams that are going to be well accepted. And depending on what we're treating, we want it to either penetrate or sit on top of the skin. So sometimes we'll use different uh, types of creams that will either push the drugs through the skin or if it's a topical therapy, we, we literally want to treat it topically and have that cream base stay on the skin so that contact with the medication can be longer. So we generally are, again, working with the patient and the prescriber to figure out what is it that we're trying to accomplish and um, you know talking to the patient about their preferences as well. Uh, some people are pretty sensitive to different creams, different fragrances, so we always want to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. And what would you say, if you get chance to talk to your patients, that is, your patient population is that are using LDN, what conditions would you say they're using it for? Oh my goodness, it is a long, long list. Um, I have to say that it's pretty rare that we come across one medication that can work for so many different conditions, uh, you know, lots of different chronic illnesses. We have patients that have um, all kinds of arthritic conditions, um, sometimes derm conditions. We even see it used sometimes in, in our veterinary side of our practice and our small animals. Um, we see it used for autoimmune problems, um, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, MS, um, rattling down the list. I have a, a POTS patient that will stick with me forever, a young girl uh, suffering from, from POTS. Her mom came in um, to get her prescription filled the first time, and of course she had never heard of it, so she's asking me all the typical questions a mom wants to know, you know, what are the side effects, it, it, is it going to work, all those sorts of things. And I told her, I said, you know, please check in with me when you come back for her refill. And she came back and she's in tears, just standing at the, at the pharmacy counter, crying, asking for me. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what has gone mm -hmm. wrong? And she just proceeds to tell me about her teenage daughter was not able to go to school because her POTS was so bad. She literally would have trouble walking across the room without fainting, passing out. And so she had given up on hoping that her daughter could have sort of a normal teenage life. And within four months on LDN, she was back at school and she was crying that day because she had gone and gotten her driver's license and driven her mom here. Wow. And it was just, I will never forget that. I mean, it's not every case is a miracle drug. Um, but in that case it really really changed her whole life well that's the thing isn't it it does make a big difference um, one of our uh, medical advisors dr jill uh, she's not a doctor she's a researcher jill brooke she's got pots and it's made a terrific mm. difference to to her For people that don't know what pots is could you explain it to us please Sure. Postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, I believe, is the, the long explanation. Um, <laughs> That's why I it's didn't a complicated, say it. <laughs> yeah, complicated illness that has many different symptoms, but the biggest one being they um, 
they can pass out with very little warning. Um, you know, sort of, you know how you get that sensation sometimes when you stand up too fast and you get a little dizzy? Mm-hmm. They describe it as that, except they completely pass out within seconds. Um, and it's very hard to lead a normal life that way if you don't know when that's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, this, this, this young girl was was suffering and had been through many different treatments. Um, and this one, I guess, was just what it took. Mm-hmm. And I'm told hot weather affects them as well. You know, if it's, if it's too hot. Um, Jill moved from California because it was really, really hot. And she's moved to Alaska. <laughs> so she's nice and cool rather than being hot. Uh, I think uh, Alaska must be... Um, a really big contrast between uh, California. Oh, I would say so. Different lifestyle there, but uh, if it's if it's helped, I can understand why you would make that move. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, what other patients um, have reported great things with LDN? Um, the other population of patients that I typically get good feedback from. Um, and again, you know, I'm not saying that this is any kind of a miracle drug, but my rheumatoid patients, matter of fact, I just had an email going back and forth with a, a patient that's been on this for a while. He was asking about whether he should increase his dose. And we've been working with his physician to sort of have him keep that symptom diary so we can figure out where is the best dose for him. So we don't want to overshoot. And uh, sometimes that actually has some of the symptoms coming back. But this particular gentleman was in his upper 60s, and um, he just through our email communication back and forth told me that he had been on high-dose prednisone for years to control his symptoms. He's also on a, an anti-rheumatic drug as well, but that was never enough to control his symptoms. And he said within about six, a little more than six months on LDN, he was able to wean off of the prednisone and he had resumed his beloved pastime of jogging. Um, and if and if yeah. any one of you suffers from rheumatoid, you know that in and of itself is is uh, a feat because um, the knees and the hips don't enjoy the pounding on the pavement. But this gentleman in his upper 60s was able to resume jogging after starting on the LDN. Um, so that's kind of another story that sticks with me a little bit, just the fact that you know a medication that you've made has this impact for this patient. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's uh, an amazing thing. Now, there are patients who have it in their mind that when they start LDN, okay, they're going to start low, they're going to increase slow, and the goal is to get to 4.5. The number of people that tell me how well they were doing on 2.5, let's say, and then after I kept increasing it, I, I wasn't getting the same benefits. What have I done wrong? And it's very hard to explain to people who have got it in their mind that the goal is 4.5, not the goal is what dose suits you best. Have you had you know, feedback from patients who have gone higher and not had the same benefits as a lower dose? 
Yes, we do. Um, and that is one of the reasons why we always try to ask them to kind of keep a, I, I call, it, call it a symptom diary, but really it's just a way to jot down each day how you're feeling and especially paying attention anytime you make a dose change. Because I think you're right. Well, also, I think there's this thought process that if a little bit works, a lot must be better, right? Mm -hmm. That whole, um, I mean, I think just human nature is that way. But it is true. We've had several patients who go from three to four and a half and they'll say, you know, um, I'm feeling tired all over again if, if we're treating fibro or, or chronic fatigue or, or even one of the um, GI problems. We see a lot of patients with irritable bowel or Crohn's. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be honest and say, I, I find myself running to the bathroom again when I was not having those symptoms before. Um, so we do ask them to, to keep that symptom diary so that um, they can, be really in tune because, you know, sometimes from a day to day, you don't, you don't know if you're better or worse, but when you look back over time and you kind of track it to the dose, it's much easier to figure out, okay, I think I just need to stay at three milligrams or mm -hmm. four or whatever works for you. But, you know, trying to make sure that the patients understand everybody's different, everybody reacts differently, and to have some patience with it is the other thing because, you know, I think the other the other hurdle that we have to get over is that it is not like when you have a headache and you take Tylenol and you feel better 20 minutes later. This really is something that's, it's a commitment. You know, you have to give it some time to work and you have to be willing to um, figure out what is that dose that works best for you. Mm -hmm. And I'll do a plug here for the LDN app. The LDN app does everything that you were saying and it's free um, for patients. They can put in their mood, their exercise, their dosing of LDN and other medications that they take and list all their supplements and keep a daily journal, set alarms, trackers. They can print out graphs and charts and do wonderful things with all their data, um, which is really helpful for keeping this journal. It's an online app and you don't have to spend ages doing it, but it's Everybody in this day and age seems to have a smartphone, but it's also linked to a computer. You can do it on your laptop or iPad or whatever tablet you have, and they all sync. As long as you're signed in, they sync. And all you have to do every day is just go in, put in your latest information. It's job done. It's not a case of getting out a book and you're not in the right place. The book's in another room, then you forget it's really easy to do. So maybe you can convince your patients to use the app. Yes, it's an excellent resource um, because you're right. People, people live with their smartphones now. You know, that's if, if it's something they can do right there in the palm of their hand, they're more mm -hmm. likely to kind of keep up with it too. Exactly. And, and just think, uh, when I was a child, what... Um, a smartphone can do I mean you, you you always if you went out for a day have to carry a camera you would have your watch on you know you would have your notebook to take take down notes and everything is done in one small device it's quite amazing isn't it how technology has come on oh yes can you imagine if you tried to describe this thing to us <laughs> you know, no. 30 years ago. I mean, we would have 
thought you, you were talking science fiction. Exactly. It is quite incredible. Yes. If mine is out of my sight, I start having a little anxiety attack. <laughs> That's how much we rely on these things now. I know it's like your, your life is in this device, isn't it? So with the Absolutely. coronavirus, how has that impacted? Um, I would just say that this is a recorded interview and we're doing it on the 13th of April. It's probably not going to go live for another couple of months. But at this time, on the 13th of April, how has that impacted your pharmacy? Well, first, Linda, I'll say I hope when this does go live that we are not still dealing with the coronavirus as we are today. It has really just changed everything about the way we live, and it's um, very sad. I think there are some positives that might come out of this in the end, but right now it is difficult to maneuver through this. Here at the pharmacy, we have uh, shifted to where we're shipping most of our medications out to our patients. And if not, if it's something a little bit more urgent, they are able to pull up out front and we'll offer them curbside service. We'll take the medication out to them so that they don't have to come in and expose themselves. And of course, it helps my staff as well not be exposed to many, many people walking through the front door. Um, it makes it different, though, because we don't have that face-to-face -face interaction with the customer. We're dealing with them all over the phone um, to be you know, obviously to be safe. Mm -hmm. So that's probably been the biggest change for the for the pharmacy itself, but it's just all the other things of, you know, hearing the, the sad stories of people losing their job, uh, people being stuck inside and trying to do their job from home, uh, which is different for them, and then also try to homeschool their children at the same time because the children are out of school. Uh, so it's, it's, it's become a very different way for us to live. Um, I, I, you know, we've, we're selling a whole lot more supplements than we used to before. Everybody's interested in trying to boost their immune system, which that obviously, the, if you're already on LDN, that's a step forward, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I was, that was what I was going to ask you was, you know, the changes um, and, of course, supplements. What supplements are you having requests for? What sort of doses are people trying to, um, to take alongside of LDN? Yeah, so we have um, requests for uh, lots of different things, but it's mostly items that would boost the immune system. So people are looking for vitamin D, they're looking for vitamin C, and the vitamin C is fairly high dose, you know, at least 1,000 milligrams or as much as they can tolerate. Um, we have things um, that promote, you know, immunity within the uh, body and Viracid is one of the products that we sell. Daily Immune is another common one from Pure Encapsulations. That's sort of a combination product that has some of the basic vitamins in it, but then also things that would help boost your immune system at the same time. So seeing all kinds of things, but mostly patients are looking for something that will help them should they be exposed um, to the virus. Mm -hmm. And you said... Um the dose of vitamin C is to what you can tolerate. How do you know whether you're tolerating the dose or not? Uh, vitamin C gives you diarrhea if you have too much. So a lot of physicians literally will say, take it until you have diarrhea and then back the dose up a little bit. Oh, I see. Okay. So yes. is elderberry, there... that's the other one I couldn't think of. Elderberry is very popular right now, black elderberry. Mm -hmm. So... 
are you okay? Self, I would say medicating, but self um, dosing on the vitamins yourself. I mean, do you have to be careful with a combination of um, vitamins and supplements or can you just go gung-ho and take what you think is correct but you haven't got any experience? We usually recommend that you would speak with your physician or a pharmacist before starting on them because the one thing that I do see happens and not only with vitamins but with over-the-counter products in general when you start buying products that have multiple ingredients in them you may not realize that you're getting two of the same thing for instance so like perhaps you have a multivitamin that has um, vitamin A in it and then you've heard that cod liver oil is good uh, or the fish oil combinations are good for immunity so you add that on not realizing that it also has a lot of vitamin A in it potentially uh, so that's where I usually see some of the problems occur is that the, the patient may not realize that they're doubling up on things because they don't realize there are multiple things in the product. Um, vitamin C is pretty hard to overdose on, in particular just because you will get diarrhea if you take too much of it, so it's sort of self-limiting in terms of its dosing, but not all vitamins are, so we definitely recommend that you speak with, with someone, you know, a nutritionist that's familiar with vitamin dosing, your pharmacist, your doctor, before you start on that therapy, and again, that mindset of if a little bit works, a lot must be better is not the case with vitamins, uh, just like any other medication. I was talking to a nutritionist who was saying exactly the same thing as yourself. It was um, about... Um, it wasn't uh, cod liver oil. It was uh, like a, a EPA, high EPA. But some oh, of yes. them have uh -huh. higher EPA. You, you have to... She was quoting several different products of, of how much EPA were in these products and how much vitamin A was in there. And I think it was being recommended that you should have something like 900, whatever the measurements was, a day. But with a cheaper version, to get that quantity of EPA, you would be having an overdose of vitamin A because vitamin A was quite high and the EPA was quite low. And then as you keep increasing it, obviously the vitamin A was going up as well. I can't remember what she said happens if you um, overdose on vitamin A. Um, could you tell us that? Uh, you know what? I am not sure of the first symptoms for vitamin A. Uh, I know in high dose it can cause nausea, vomiting, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I seem to remember also that there's skin and hair issues if you have too much vitamin A, uh, like thinning of the hair and very dry, brittle skin. If I'm mm -hmm. re recalling correctly, those would probably be the first things that you would notice. Mm -hmm. I don't know what would happen in a longer term if you kept taking it after that. But yeah, vitamin A is one of the fat-soluble vitamins, and you can overdose on that one, A, D, E, and K, if I remember right. Right. So yeah. I mean the and um, the other thing I wanted mm -hmm. to mention, uh, you were talking about EPA and fish oil. We see this a lot where the label on the product will say 1,000 milligrams of fish oil on mm -hmm. the front. But if you turn it over uh, to, to your nutritionist point, 
It's absolutely correct. If EPA is the active ingredient you're looking for, you may find that it's very low in EPA. Um, so you really do have to be careful with the way that things are um, presented on the label. Mm. And of course, I, I don't know if it's changed, but at that point, there was no control over uh, vitamins and supplements that the ingredients on the label didn't have to on the back it, it does but it it doesn't have the exact quantities like you would have on a a food label you know with the the highest content at the top and working its way down they normally just have what the ingredients are but not necessarily what the quantity is do, do you know what i'm saying in the u.s the has that uh, changed yeah, I was going to say the supplement labels in the U.S. are are um, they they do have to list the content of the active ingredients. They may not necessarily be in order of, you know, how much is in there, but they'll it'll be on the label in terms of all of the active ingredients and the the milligrams of the units, oh, with however so, it's measured, okay. will be on the, the so supplement you, label now. Okay, so you can find out exactly what the dose of, say, the vitamin A is in that particular product. Yes. Okay. Because we didn't, and I haven't looked for a long time, so maybe we do now as well. But it is well worth reading the label and getting advice because it is a nightmare. I mean, you can Google things, you know, how much of this should you take and how much of that. But it, we're all individual. Not everybody needs the same. It's not like, you know, a 43-year-old woman at five foot six weighing you know 140 pounds she should take this this and this and that wouldn't go for every woman of the same size and age it really does depend on your condition you know what your body <laughs> are you help me out here sherry what am i trying to say yes that Yes, that is true. Um, it's very true. It also really depends on your diet. You know, what, mm, what do yes. you normally eat? And are you missing any, you know, micronutrients or vitamins that you usually would get from your diet? So it's, it definitely varies. Um, and there are actually companies out there now that will uh, test your, your vitamin load, if you will. It's a blood test and they can see where you are low um, so that you can sort of customize your own regimen to build it back up to a more normal state. Mm -hmm. And would you believe we have come to the end of the show? So that went really oh my quickly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was amazing having you here with us today. And let's just hope that for the time this um, show comes Ooh. out... Mm. Well, I'm I lost so sorry, you there. We lost a connection. I know. <laughs> I was talking anyway. Did dong. <laughs> okay. So I will start the recorder <laughs> and I will do the end bit from saying we've come to the end of the show and thank you and end it all properly rather than it just going ching. Okay. I'll just, <laughs> just go back. This show is sponsored by Dixon's Chemist 
who are the experts in LDN and associated treatments in the UK. Dixon's chemists are the most cost-effective for LDN in all forms within the UK and Europe, maintaining safety standards far in excess of what is required. Why would you choose to get your LDN from anywhere else? Call 0141 404 6545 today to speak to their LDN experts. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.